Let's say this together. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. I'd like us all to pray tonight um, that the people of America would not be ignorant of the enemy's devices uh, and be not finding out for themselves what is truth and what is a lie. The Holy Spirit will show us truth. And even if we're not well informed uh, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, we should know when something isn't the way it should be. Uh, but, you know, unbelievers that are out there, they have nothing that they're going by except what somebody said on the television or in a newspaper. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will uh, become alive in these lives of these unbelievers. They'll find Jesus and they'll begin to know this is not true because there's so many things out there now that have been said so long that now the lie has become the truth. And really, it's totally against the Word of God. So as believers, we're the ones that are responsible to stop what the work of the enemy is. And we can do it through prayer. So, Father, I pray tonight for our nation. I pray for America. First of all, I pray for our leaders, our president, and all those that are in the Senate and the Congress. I thank you, Father, that they'll stop looking beyond trying to, uh, to squabble over everything and start going after their real enemy, which is the devil himself trying to destroy our nation and the nations of this world. And I thank you, Father, that there will be a, a mighty move of the Spirit of God in our nation that will cause people to know truth, that will cause people, just like in the book of Acts, 3,000 in one day. I thank you, Lord, for whatever it is in this time frame that we're living in, the last of the last days or whatever we want to call this, I thank you that there will be such a mighty move of the Spirit of God that the unbeliever's eyes will be enlightened to what the truth is of the gospel, that Jesus will become Lord in this, in this United States again, the way you ordained it to be, and that evil will be exposed for what it is, and lies will be exposed for what they are, and truth will be exalted above every lie in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated. You know, I'm, I'm becoming more and more aware as I listen, you know, to different things. My husband will flip on Fox News, and, and I even have seen CNN actually this week re have a rebuttal to what was said by one of the congresswomen uh, uh, regarding the Holocaust in Israel and Palest Palestine. And, you know, um, just because somebody's in an office doesn't mean they know everything. Doesn't mean that, you know, they're, they're the ones who have all the truth. The Bible says we're responsible to find out the truth for ourselves. And so um, as we're studying uh, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one that gives you discernment, discernment of evil spirits, discernment of truth, but discernment of evil spirits. There are many evil spirits operating in the world today that uh, we, need to be, we need to be aware of and then take our authority over. Uh, my husband always talks to the television. Um, you know, nobody sees him do that, thank goodness. But he, he, when they say something he doesn't believe is true, he speaks against that right then. And we can think, well, that's silly, but it's not silly. It, it's important that we take our stand as a believer and begin to declare out with our words 
what is truth. And the Holy Spirit will help us do that. Tonight, we're going to talk about um, Aftershock, the book of Acts is the series we're in. But tonight is You've Got the Goods. Turn to your neighbor and say, You've Got the Goods. Um, I spoke on Sunday, and if you weren't here on Sunday, um, I shared a message with a lot of help from my friend, which would be the Holy Spirit in my life. Um, but tonight, we're going to get into the book of Acts. If you remember in Matthew 27, and I'm just going to give a little review, we talked about how Jesus, when he was on the cross, it says the veil was rent. And, and basically what that means is that the door to heaven was open to everyone who would receive Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. Before the door was closed, you know, through the sin of Adam, there was no way to go into the presence of God. There was no way to really enter into his presence. You had to go through a priest, uh, prophets, priest. Those offices were how people got their information. But thank God today, we can hear directly from the Spirit of God. We can know what God's saying to us. And that's what it means in the Bible where it says the veil was rent. There was a separation in the Old Covenant. And it was um, shown in the temple because there was an outer court, an inner chamber, and then the most holy place. And that's where the veil was, that no one could go behind that except the priest. And now that we're kings and priests and the veil has been rent, it means that we can go beyond the veil. In Hebrews, it says that there's an anchor beyond the veil. That anchor is everything we have in Christ is secure. You know, a boat, when you anchor a boat, uh, it stays in the same place. We are anchored beyond the veil. In other words, every day we live in the presence of God. Through the Holy Spirit, we can know what the Spirit of God is saying. And that's what we've been talking about. Um, tonight, I want to go to Acts chapter, we're going to start in four where we left off last week. Um, and I want to talk tonight about miracles, signs, and wonders. One thing that happened when the church was birthed was signs, wonders, and miracles began to happen through the apostles. And eventually, it happened through believers. But in the beginning, uh, Peter and John at the temple, the, the miracle of the man at the gate, beautiful. Uh, those things, as well, salvation was the first one. 3,000 people added to the church in one day. I would love to see that happen. How many would love to see that happen? You know, uh, the fire marshal would have a conniption fit because they put a sign on the wall that says how many people are can be in this room at any one time but praise the lord if three thousand wandered in here on a sunday morning and got saved uh glory be to god amen and so there was a presence that was released in in the apostles in peter in john uh the presence of the holy spirit and with the presence of the Holy Spirit was not only the, the salvation of knowing Jesus and in receiving Jesus, but the power of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so last Wednesday night, we prayed for that. Um, those of you that aren't filled with the Holy Spirit in that particular way, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, it's available to every believer. It is not a denominational thing because we are a charismatic international or interdenominational church does not mean that we're the only ones that can have this gift. You know, when I first got saved, I was a Methodist, got saved and ended up at First Assembly. And the difference was I was filled with the Holy Ghost and it was accepted there, but it was accepted by heaven in the Methodist church. It was accepted in any church, Catholic, any kind of church where the spirit of God is welcome. The Holy Spirit is there. 
And so um, in your life, the Holy Spirit is always with us uh, 24-7. We can't leave him out of where we go that maybe we would like him not to be because he's ever-present in our heart and in our life. So as we look at the book of Acts, in chapter 3, we talked about the first miracle that uh, was performed as far as uh, when Peter and John were at the, at the gate beautiful. But then it goes on in chapter 4, and I want to look at a couple of things in chapter 4, because once these miracles begin to happen, once uh, evidence that something was happening beyond understanding, everybody say beyond understanding, the religious leaders were very upset about the whole thing. And they pulled Peter and John in. And they called them and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. It is no different today in many settings. You can say God, but if you say Jesus, there could be a real uh, affront. There could be people who want to push you away. Because the name of Jesus is a name above all names, and it has power. Everybody say power. And what these men did, it says in verse 13 of chapter 4, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were illiterate and uneducated men, they marveled. What were they were saying? Well, they weren't in any way trained to be operating in this kind of authority or power. There was no reason to believe that they could, but what they said was they recognized that they had been with Jesus, where that is significant because it's saying that with Jesus, there is a release of power. There's an anointing. Everybody say an anointing. And uh, I shared that on Sunday, but I'm going to talk a little bit more about it tonight. But when they recognized that something was different, what they were recognizing was there was a power. Everybody say a power. There was a power that was there in the disciples that was not there before. Now, when I look back in Scripture in Luke, if you look back in Luke chapter 9, it says that Jesus sent them out. Who? The disciples. He sent them out. And he gave them power and authority over the devils and to cure disease. But then it says in Luke 10, when they came back, in verse 17, they were so excited, they said, even the demons are subject to us in your, in your name. And so he had sent them out. They had had a practice session before the book of Acts in that kind of anointing. But they learned it from being with Jesus. The way we learn to operate with the Holy Spirit is by taking time to be in the Word of God. The Word of God was made flesh. This is the Word of God. And when we read the Word of God, it's like listening to the voice of God. It's written word. Rhema is the, the written word. Lo, I mean, logos is the written word. Rhema is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. So between the two of these, we can operate just like Jesus operated in the earth. Now, I don't know why in the church... Uh, we don't see more things than we see, but I do know overseas they see things all the time in people's lives. Ears opened, uh, people begin to see. A lot of people say, well, in America, you know, we have so much that we're not that desperate. Everybody say desperate. But it doesn't change the word of God. Every, everywhere we are where the Holy Spirit is with us, always with us, there's opportunity. Everybody say opportunity for the miraculous. 
it, it just shows in the book of Acts. It, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't like it's just for specific people. In the beginning, it was Jesus, then it was the apostles. But as you go through scripture, we'll get to Philip tonight. He, he wasn't one of the 12 disciples, and yet he was appointed, everybody say appointed, by the disciples to take care of the people. To take care of the people, he needed the power of God. He needed the anointing. Everybody say, I have the anointing. And so if we look at the rest of this, it said when they commanded him, Peter and John answered them when they said, don't speak in the name of Jesus. That's where the power is in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge for we cannot help but declare what we have seen and heard. How many of you have ever been in a setting where you just, you want to say what you know, but you're intimidated by the circumstance. And, and Peter and John were not intimidated anymore, yet Peter had been very intimidated at one point in his life. I think all of us go through periods where we have to press through that place of intimidation, where what, what's going to happen if I say this? What's going to happen if I do this? Um, <clears throat> there, uh, years ago, I traveled with Pastor Sharon Doherty, and uh, I went with her to Washington, and I had really never traveled with her alone, but I was, just, I was just along as someone to be with her. So I had no duties, but we were going to Washington, and I forget what the event was, but there were a lot of people there and, um, that you know were heads of churches and uh, people who were prophetic, and it was a big conference. Brother Copeland was there. And, and so I ended up with all these people because I was with her. But when we landed, it was really late at night. Our plane got delayed. We got in a taxi with um, a gentleman that I knew was not, you know, a Christian. And I'm pretty sure he was Muslim. But Pastor Sharon never misses an opportunity to share Jesus. Well, I would share Jesus in the daylight in a taxi cab in Washington, D.C. But, you know, at 1130 at night in a taxi cab with somebody who didn't want to hear what you're saying, you know, I probably would have just, you know, shrunk back. Not her. She is up over the seat talking to him about Jesus, and she is not getting out of that cab until she has finished everything she wants to tell him about Jesus. And he has at least acknowledged that he heard her. My husband was with her once, and she wouldn't get out of the cab till the guy prayed the prayer of salvation. And, and he didn't want to. She said, well, I'm not getting out. So he prayed the prayer of salvation. Pastor Bill was with her. And after the prayer of salvation, they got out, and he, you know, he, he was in unbelief. You know, the guy, he just said it because she told him to. He said, she said, that's not my responsibility. See, that's boldness. Everybody say boldness. And so I was with her. We get, we get in this taxi cab. She, I, I didn't know where we were. It took forever to get to the hotel. I thought maybe it was going to dump us in the Potomac or something. I didn't know what was going to happen to us. But it sure took a long time. We got in an elevator. She started all over with the person in the elevator. Because everywhere she went, she had this thing on the inside of her said, it's my responsibility to let them know about Jesus. And I only am going to get this one shot. And, you know, that, that person in the elevator shot out of there fast at the end of her dissertation. But, you know, God sees that as someone who has his heart. Because God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. And what they thought about her, she could have cared less 
what they thought about her. And, and I've been with her over the years and anywhere we've been. And I've traveled now with her many places. And that is not just a one-time occurrence. She, her husband used to say she'd try to get people saved at the gas station. You know, she'd be pumping her gas and talking to everybody to be sure everybody pumping gas had the Lord in their life. Everybody say, that's boldness. See, Peter and John, if you go on, it says they prayed that the persecution wouldn't stop, just that they would be bolder in their statement. So as we go on, many signs and wonders, it says in Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Everybody say, many signs and wonders by the hands of the apostles. So they all began to operate in this kind of an anointing with the power of God. That's, John, that's Acts 5, 12. And they were all together in Solomon's porch. No one else dared join them, but the people respected them. It says in my Bible, believers were increasingly added to the Lord, crowds of both men and women, so that they even brought the sick out into the streets, placed them on beds and mats, that at least the shadow, everybody say shadow, the shadow of Peter passing by might touch some of them. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever thought that maybe your shadow is causing someone to receive healing, causing someone to be delivered. I believe, why would there be a difference between the book of Acts and 2019, May 15th? Why should it be any difference? I ask God that all the time. Crowds also came out to the cities surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were afflicted by evil spirits, and they were a few healed, all healed. That's what it says. Uh, you know, they seized them and they put them in jail. <laughs> you know, there is that persecution that comes uh, from people not understanding the power of God and not wanting to accept that there is a power greater than who they are. You know, I look at today around it, and I'm all for government. I think more people ought to be involved in politics that are Christian that will stand up for righteousness. But I want to tell you, that is not the answer to changing this nation. The answer is Jesus. It's people coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because in my life, the things I wanted to do, I did until I loved Jesus more than I love myself. And people can be told what to do. How many of you have raised children that you tell them and tell them and tell them, you know, all the things you want them to know? They don't necessarily do all those things, but one day it's like a light bulb goes off. And they begin to do the right thing because they want to do the right thing. I believe that's the way this nation will change. And so the church has the power to bring that kind of salvation into the earth because you see it in the book of Acts. People were added, increasingly added to the Lord, it says. Uh, if we go on to chapter uh, 6, it says that the people begin to murmur and I'm just going to paraphrase, that the people began to murmur that their needs weren't being met. And so, um, the, the, so the 12, or the disciples, um, gathered together and said, it's not reasonable for us to leave the word of God and serve tables, brothers. Look among yourselves for seven men who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint over this duty. Well, if you're going to take care of people, you better have the anointing of God. How many of you ever tried to take care of the people? How many of you ever tried to take care of anybody that maybe didn't want to be taken care of or didn't like the way it was taken care of? 
You better have the anointing of God on your life. But this is where it begins to multiply. Leadership begins to multiply. Why? Because not all the people could be taken care of by 12 people. Just like Jesus couldn't take care of everybody by himself. But Jesus said, greater works will you get do than I do because I go to be with the Father. Why? Because the Holy Spirit would be in the believer. And so we would begin to do what he did everywhere that we went. Um, and so in this book, in the book of uh, Acts chapter 6, it said, uh, what was said pleased the whole multitude. And they, told, they, they chose seven men, Stephen, who was a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Pocorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmimus, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they presented before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they placed their hands on them. So the word of God spread. Everybody say it spread. And the number of disciples grew. Why? Because of the multiplication of others besides the apostles rapidly in Jerusalem. And a great number of priests were obedient to the faith. I don't know why that's in there. But the priests were the people who were resisting it. But yet now the priests are now getting saved. Um, Of course, the rest of chapter 6 and 7 is where Stephen is arrested, and uh, they set him up as a false witness, and of course, of course they stoned him. Uh, I, don't, I don't know of that many people personally that have been stoned. In fact, I've read stories, but um, I don't believe in America we're going to be stoned yet <laughs> for proclaiming the gospel to people. I don't believe we're in that position. But words do hurt. You know, the sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's just not true. Because words do hurt. Words have power. We know that because we know the word of God. But there are going to be words spoken to us that are said, but this is, the, this is the way I always see it with unbelievers. They do not know the spirit of God. So they, what I am saying to them is foreign to them. And so they're going to come back maybe with words they use in the, in the life they live. But I have been translated out of that kingdom into the kingdom of light. And so those words that they're speaking have no power over me in the kingdom I live in. And the, the thing I have to do is get, not get offended. Everybody say, not get offended. You know, Stephen, he, he delivered a pretty stingy message. And uh, in the end, they stoned him. But, but the person that was standing there watching the whole thing was Paul. And, you know, he was Saul at the time, but he was a vessel that God was going to use. And yet, he stood there and watched that happen. I believe as, as believers, we have to recognize that the things maybe we have done in our life have nothing to do with the anointing of God. God anoints people that have a heart for God. And so things from our past, even maybe some of the things in our present, those, those are not a hindrance to God using a person. What's a hindrance to God using a person is doubt and unbelief in the believer. But if we believe in the word of God just because we've made mistakes in our past, and I believe this is why a lot of the church just stands and doesn't say anything. Uh, I've been reading my husband's book, and um, he asked me to read through it. It is really a good book. I'm to chapter, I don't know what, but it's really good. I'm, I've been through, and it's really a... Um, a story of how the Holy Spirit has worked in our lives from the time Bill got saved all the way to where we are today. 
And when you look back at what the Holy Spirit has done with the people in this church, not just us, but people that have come out of this church, people that may not be here now, but they've been through this church, um, it, it makes you realize nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is, no matter what the reputation of the person. Uh, you know, he was talking about different things with us, but I was thinking of this young lady, Sarah Kraft, who came to our church. And uh, one day, I think my sister got the call. She and her boyfriend wanted to get saved. <laughs> I love this. This is, you know, and p- calling up to get saved. Well, they wanted to get saved because they were on their way to jail. <laughs> How many of you know a lot of people call it jail religion, but uh, it does make you aware there's a problem, you know. And so, But whatever, they both came in, and uh, we sat back there and uh, prayed with her and her, her boyfriend to receive Jesus. And uh, she kept coming. She didn't end up going to jail, but she did end up on house arrest. But she still came to church. Um, after a while, she said, you know, what I really want to do is I want to go to Oral Roberts University, but I can't leave the state, and I have a felony. And, um, and so in, in the midst of all this, she went to the judge. This judge is, is not alive anymore, but he had mercy on her, and he got that record sponged so she could go out of state. She went to ORU. She graduated four years later, and she was the student of the year or some award got the award, um, came back, ended up going to Washington, D.C. and teaching in the inner schools, then went overseas in Saudi Arabia and taught there for several years. I'm telling you, the things that God has done through the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit in this house that brought her to a place where she finally realized what I did. And, And they did things. I mean, they, they were accused and they were, con- I mean, they were convicted. But she had the mercies of God. And God mercifully delivered her. But not only delivered her, I got an email from her not very long ago. And she said, now, I forget what she said, the state of Indiana has recognized that I no longer have any record of anything with my name. I said, well, good for them, but haven't recognized that a long time ago, Sarah. <laughs> Isn't that great? So, you know, when you look at Saul and Paul, you know, you think, oh, you know. But to me, that's, that's like Saul and Paul. I mean, she was definitely, she was guilty. She was doing wrong things. Paul was persecuting the Christians, and he began to persecute them even more after Stephen's death. He asked to be able to find them and put them in prison. And yet, Jesus went looking for him. Jesus went looking for him. So when we meet people... That we think, wow, this and this is impossible. Um, no, it's not. Not with God, because we don't know the destiny of that person from their mother's womb. We don't. We don't know that, but God does, and He makes divine appointments for us. And so, with Saul, you know, if you know that that a part of Saul's life in chapter nine of Acts, uh, you know, when he encountered Jesus on that road, um, he was blind for three days. And Jesus said to him, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, why are you hurting the people? He said, why are you hurting me? Why? Because Jesus loves people. That's what he died for was people. And so he said, why are you persecuting me? Why are you standing against me? And, 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 and Saul really, uh, at that point, you know, he, he's not sure what's going on. He can't see. And then they tell, God tells this disciple, Ananias, you need to go over to, 
to him and uh, let him know my purpose for him. He said, why, why do you want me to die? I mean, why, why me? Why do I have to go? Because Paul was such a bad person. He didn't want to be the one to go. He was not one of the disciples. He was a person, a lay person, if you want to call it that, you know, in the, in the kingdom. And Ananias, the Lord said to him, rise and go to Straight Street and inquire at Judas's house for someone named Saul of Tarsus, for he's praying and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he may see again. That is phenomenal. He's already seen this, but he can't see. But he's seen it in the spirit. He has seen, and he knows the man's name. That's, you know, that's going to cause him to have to make a decision if he's going to go. And I answered, Lord, I have heard from, from many about this man, how many evil things he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said, go your way, for this man is a chosen vessel of mine. I'm thinking, but he's just been persecuting everybody that's a Christian. And God's saying, he's a chosen vessel of mine. How many people do you think we run into in our walk with God that are chosen vessels? And, and we look at the outside. We look at the paperwork. We look at those things and we say, mm, no, that's not, that couldn't be God. But he says he's to bear my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Well, he did go. He spoke to Paul. Uh, Paul was baptized, and, and he began to preach the gospel. It does say, and I think it's Galatians, he went away for three years and just spent time in the word of God. And Paul always said, what I share, I don't share because of man's teaching. I share because God taught me. Those three years, it was him and the Holy Spirit of God. Because it says the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. Now, I believe we all need to be accountable to people. And I've known some pretty goofed up people in 40 years I've been in ministry. that They thought they knew everything. They only needed themselves and the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, it's good to have checkpoints along the way of other people. But the Holy Spirit, when you learn from the Holy Spirit, nobody can take it away from you. Because the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit. To what is the truth of the word of God. And so uh, I'm not talking about silliness and goofiness because there's been that. And that's why many people, when you start talking about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, they just shut the door. Bar the door, Katie, I don't want any of that stuff. But, you know, things do happen sometimes when you're praying for people in the Spirit of God. I remember my husband, when he was an intern student, he used to say to me, and some of you heard the story, you know, I was, I, I've been, I've prayed with people for deliverance before. You can get some pretty crazy manifestations where the enemy just gets all riled up and really makes a show of himself. However, if you understand scripture, you tell him to stop it, shut up, and be quiet. And he will. The devil loves to perform for people. And so you have to know what's going on and take your authority. But you have to know that by the Holy Spirit, and you don't learn that just on in an instant. The sons of Sceva that are talked about in here, same thing. They tried to do what Paul did. In the name of Paul that I saw do this, that will not work with demonic people that are op 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 oppressed of the devil. And so my husband, you know, he'd look at me like, mm, 
you know, he, he respected what I knew, but, you know, he came in after I did into the things of God. And so that one was just a little iffy to him. So he was an intern student, and they came and got us and said, we got a challenge, you know, from somebody we've prayed for to receive Jesus at the end of the service. They took them all this big room, and so we go. And uh, suddenly this woman flies off a chair and over that way. And he looks at me, and I, I wanted to say, told you so. But I didn't say that because I'm not the Holy Ghost. God told me you're not his Holy Ghost. You're his wife. And so I didn't say anything, but then we stayed and prayed for that woman to get through, get free. And she looked right at the man that was sitting there commanding that spirit to let her go. And he, that spirit said, Rita doesn't live here anymore. I do. It, it was a, it was a, a strong oppression over her life that because of things she had chosen to open her life up to, that thing had gradually really taken control of her life. Now, this isn't a message to scare everybody. This is to say that woman got set free. But it took people who knew that what they had was greater than what had her. And there was no fear in that room. There was faith and there was the anointing. Everybody say the anointing. It wasn't us. It was the power of God. And so, you know, to operate in those levels of ministry, that's not just learning, you know. But if you've never stepped out to even talk to somebody about Jesus, if you've never stepped out to let the Holy Spirit use you to pray with someone to receive Jesus, I think it would be amazing to ask the body of Christ, how many people have you led to Jesus? Because I think there's an intimidation that people don't realize it is not you who does it. It's the Spirit of God that takes over to bring that person to Jesus. It's not, it's, it's not about our reputation. It's not about what people think about us. But don't we all think about what somebody might think of us? And so when you're in a setting, you know, like what, what the disciples were in, like this Ananias going to Paul, of course his first thought is, listen, the guy... The guy is not a good guy. And, you know, do you realize, Lord, where you're sending me? You know, all of us have those questions. But the important thing is that we obey. Everybody say we have to obey. And because of this man's obedience, I'm sure God would get somebody else, but this man obeyed. From then on, uh, Paul began to follow after the things of God. And, and I'm going to talk about Paul more next week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time tonight. But um, I want to turn to Acts chapter 10. You know, God cares about people. That it doesn't matter uh, what lifestyle they're in, but it also doesn't matter what religion they're in. You know, God will speak to a Catholic person, and they'll be end up speaking in tongues and be a Holy Ghost Catholic person in, in mass in the Catholic Church. In fact, you'd probably be surprised how many of them are. <laughs> you know, and you think, well, but that doesn't go with that. Well, I'm not God. I'm, I'm not the judge of who's got the Holy Ghost and who doesn't have the Holy Ghost. But if you have the Holy Spirit and you pray in tongues, you know what you know. Amen? I mean, nobody can come and take that. I remember when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, my mom and dad immediately said, you've gotten in with the wrong people. And I thought, no, I haven't. Because I know in my heart. But they didn't know. They, all they knew was I was a mess a week ago. Why would just what I did make me okay? Well, I wasn't okay. But I was filled with the Holy Ghost. I was saved and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I spoke in tongues, which was very weird to them. 
but it didn't change the fact that I knew I was. And, you know, it's not really about what other people know about you. It's what you know about you. Because everything you do for the Lord is going to be based on who you know you are, not who you know somebody else is. And so if you look at um, chapter 10, Peter uh, was sent to Cornelius. Now, he was a centurion of a band of soldiers called the Italian, Italian Detachment, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, and who gave many alms, that would be above tithes, that would be offerings or help to the people or the poor people, and continually prayed to God. This man saw a vision, and, and he, when he looked, he said, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And the Lord said to him, your prayers have been answered. Your prayers have been answered. Everybody say, prayers get answered. And your alms, the things you've done for the poor, have come up as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring back Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Isn't it amazing how God can orchestrate and tell people exactly where to go? In my husband's book, he has a story about him being in Peru with my son John, or son John and Terry Henshaw. Now my husband, um, he doesn't really, he's not a shopper. When he goes places, you know, he isn't looking to go shopping on a missions trip. Uh, you know, he's about what he's doing. And what's funny is he always wondered why Pastor Billy Joe was so serious. And, you know, maybe he didn't take an extra day. Meet his counterpart right there. He's very, very focused on what he's doing when he's there. And so they said that he had, they had ministered, but they still had to minister another night. Uh, maybe two. But anyway, they were going shopping, and, and he didn't want to go. So he just said, you guys go ahead. That's fine. And so Terry and my son were going to go. He kept feeling like he, he couldn't not go. He needed to go shopping. That made absolutely no sense to him. Why does he go shopping? And so he goes shopping and thinks, why am I shopping? And, of course, with Terry, it's always sweets and coffee, which, you know, my husband isn't really big on either one of those, but he's going. He, they wander. They get lost. They end up on a street. They don't know where they are. And a woman... Eight million people in this city. A woman on a street corner sees my husband and says, oh, Pastor Bill, in the city of Peru, on a shopping spree he doesn't want to be on. Do you want to tell it? Because you can tell it better than me. Because this is the kind of story we're looking at right here, but it's no different right now in this story. That's what I want to help you understand. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I, I may have shared it before, but uh, it's, it's like Pam said. I, I didn't want to go. I was tired. I loved being by myself. And uh, uh, John and I were sharing a room, and he said, I'm going shopping. I said, thank you, Jesus. He's going. I'm going to have that room all by myself. And uh, Terry Henshaw was going, and, but it wouldn't leave me. It was, it was in my spirit that I had to go, and I didn't want to go. And I was arguing with God a little bit. I mean, can I see the hands of anybody that, that did that? And, uh, but when I finally gave in to go, uh, I, I still didn't understand it. I wasn't having a good time roaming around the city. Uh, I, in the book, I, I, I wrote 8 to 10 million people in Lima, Peru. I think they were all on our street. Uh, we got totally lost. And <clears throat> Terry said, well, I don't know where we are, but we'll find a local Peruvian 
and this person will help us either find the gift store I'm looking for or, or direct us back to our hotel. Right. So a lady was walking out of a restaurant, and I walked by them. Terry and John stopped with the lady. I walked on to the end of the block, still wondering why I'm on this excursion. And I stopped at the end of the block, turned around and watched them talking to the lady, apparently giving directions. And uh, so I just stood there for a few minutes, and I thought, well, I'll walk back and join the conversation. As I walked back, the lady started jumping up and down and screaming. I'm not adding anything to it. It was screaming. It's you! It's you! It's you! And she started to run toward me. I'm about 20 feet from her. John and Terry are shocked but not as shocked as I am. And she comes up and grabs me and starts hugging me. I don't, I'm hardly ever at a loss for words, but I'm at a loss of words. And just keeps hugging me. She says, it's you, it's you. And I finally got up the courage and the words to say, do I know you? She says, yes, 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 yes. You pastor a church in Indiana. Your wife, she leads worship. She twirls. She dances. Yes, 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 yes. And I said, you have been to my church? Yes, yes, in Indiana. And I said, where were you in Indiana? She said, I went to Notre Dame, and I went to a meeting, and then I came to Lafayette, and they told me about your church, and I came. She said, I've been praying. I've been praying that God would send me somebody. Come with me. Now I'm really shocked. Come with me. And she drags me almost, takes my arm to the end of the street. She tells John and, and Terry, stay right where you are, to the end of the street, and tells me this horrible family story. And she said, I've been praying that God would send someone to me, and God sent you. And all I can say to you is, I thought, God, I'm so sorry. I almost missed my assignment. And the most important thing I believe about the Holy Spirit is that we are on an assignment from God. You have no idea what your assignment is until you see God and hear from the Holy Spirit. And the message Sunday is going to be a message, is, are you living in a self-will or a God-will? Most people live self-will. They decide what they want to do. God, by his Holy Spirit, wants to show you. And I can't tell you what happened to me when I went back to that. I feel it right now. When I went back to that hotel. And I felt for the woman, but I also felt for myself. What would have happened if I did what was not a bad thing? Rested in the hotel, stayed in the hotel, and just enjoyed my quiet time. I would have missed an assignment that changed my life. And the assignments that God has for you will change your life. You'll stand back and say, oh my goodness, there's no way I could have made this happen. I don't mean to take all the time, but can I share a little bit more? On the way, on, on the way down there, on the airplane, uh, I just pray and have my prayer journal. Everywhere I go, I carry my prayer journal. If you don't carry a prayer journal, you can't possibly know what God's will is for your life because you'll forget it. Uh, you don't have a strong enough mind to keep the will of God continually to the forefront. You have to write it down. And, and on the way down there, I wrote in my prayer journal I, what God was telling me. Some of it was just things, nothing 
extraordinary. And then all of a sudden I heard, on this trip, you will see something so miraculous, so miraculous, you will know only I could have orchestrated it. I thought, whoa, this is going to be a fun trip. Well, we, went, we ministered four or five, six different places. People got saved. We saw people healed. I don't mean to diminish that, but we've seen that before when we've gone out. So it was somewhat what was expected. But when this happened on that street, I knew the Holy Spirit had spoken to me. And there is nothing like knowing that voice. We're going to talk about knowing the voice of the Holy Spirit and knowing the voice that God delivers to us to give us the ability to know what he's called us to do. He'll never leave you without telling you what to do. He'll always show you. He wants to talk to us. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, give God a hand. That is amazing. I mean, uh, things like that, you can't deny that God is a God who knows personally about people. And, and we can sometimes feel like God must have forgotten, but God never forgets, and God cares. It's just how many assignments have people missed, you know, that, you know, God can get somebody maybe, but maybe it never got done. In this case, Cornelius is going to be um, helped by Peter, and he's told, he's told exactly where to send people to go get Peter. So Peter, meanwhile, is up on a roof. He's praying, and he sees a vision, and he sees a sheet coming down. And in it were uh, all kinds of four-footed animals, it says, of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, birds of the air. And then this voice says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, not at all, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. You know, sometimes when God's getting ready to do something different, we can't get it. Because we already got a preconceived idea of maybe the way God was going to do it. Or what God, you know, what sounds like God. You know, this doesn't sound like God to Peter because he's not understanding fully what God is about to do. He sees the vision and he, he interprets it this way. The voice spoke to him a second time. What God has cleansed, do not call common. This happened three times. And again, the vessel was taken up. Now, while he was wondering about the vision, it says, the men who were sent by Cornelius ended up knocking on the front door of the house he's in on the roof. And he comes down. And so he comes down. Three men are looking for you, um, the Spirit said to him. In other words, while Peter's up there, the Holy Spirit is speaking to him. Three men are down there, and they're looking for you. This is a phenomenal story to me. Because it's, it's just between God and Peter and God and Cornelius. And so he, he goes down. So rise and go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So Peter goes down, and the men tell him what Cornelius has said, that he's a centurion. He's, he sent them to, to bring him to him, to Cornelius. So he goes with him. And it says, um, as he goes, it says, as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him, verse 25, fell down at his feet, worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up and said, stand up, I myself am a man. It's so important to know that everything that the Holy Spirit does through you is not you. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not about us. It's a, it wasn't really my husband. It was, it was the Holy Spirit in him that caused all of that, getting lost. Everything that happened to them that day was by the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will get you lost. You know, things happen that you don't understand. But that doesn't mean it's not God. 
doesn't mean it's not God. And so, because, you know, God directs through those things. As he entered, and then it says, as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come. And he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jew to visit or approach a foreigner. In other words, I'm not supposed to be here in the natural. I'm not, I'm not supposed to be here. That's what the vision was, and that's why he was resisting it. So it was something he wasn't supposed to be doing. But God has shown me not to call any man common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without question. Therefore, I ask, why have you sent for me? And then Cornelius begins to speak, and he says that this is what I heard. I was fasting at the ninth hour. I prayed in my house, and suddenly a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, your prayers have been heard, and your alms are remembered before God, and told me to send for you. Now, therefore, it says on down in verse 33, uh, we are all present here before God to hear everything the Lord has commanded you. And so Peter began to speak. And he said, truthfully, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. You know, God is no respecter of any person. He loves everybody. But in every nation, he who fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. You know, there's so many people in Iran, in Iraq, uh, in Saudi Arabia, all those nations over there, they do love God. They're hidden away because they can't say anything. But God knows who they are. And there are people that are sent into those places for that very reason, because God knows those people are there, and he wants to touch their life. The word which he sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, the word which you know that was proclaimed through all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed. And he goes on and he tells them all of this. And it says, while Peter, in verse 44, was still speaking these words, he hadn't even finished telling them everything. The Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. All the believers of the circumcision who had come with Peter were astonished because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Now, this is what's important. Peter resisted. Paul a little bit over the Gentiles and what are we going to do with them because they're not Jews and so what kind of law we're going to have to have them circumcised or this as you go on in the book of Acts it talks about it uh, it's interesting that Peter was sent to the Gentiles just to show Peter this is me it's not about Paul it's about me and I am God and I am coming to these people and I'm no respecter of persons. And so it goes on and says, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and magnifying God. So they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and they weren't even supposed to be included in anything that Jesus did at Calvary. They weren't even supposed to be, it's about the Jews. No, it's about every person that God has created. God wants everybody to know Jesus. And the most unfortunate right now are the Jewish people. Because they don't believe. But there are Messianic Jews in Israel. And, uh, and they're, they're praying and they're doing things. And there are people in Israel even now that are beginning to start uh, to come to Jesus. They're starting to realize that he is the Messiah has come. And so uh, we need to continue to pray for all those that don't think like us. All those that maybe uh, don't see things the way we do. Because the Holy Spirit of God that lives in us may be wanting to use us 
to give them the gift of the Holy Spirit, just like Peter when he walked in that place, and the Holy Spirit fell on all of them. If you go on to chapter 11, and that's the last verse or chapter we're going to look at, um, as I begin to speak, the Holy Spirit, he tells, he goes back and he tells uh, his his religious people or the Jews, as I begin to speak in verse 15, the Holy Spirit fell on them. He's reporting about this incident. He fell on us at the, as he fell on us at the beginning. Then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to be, to be able to hinder God? Everybody say, we don't need to hinder God. When they heard these things, they were silent, and they glorified God. Then God has granted to the Gentiles also repentance unto life. And that's when they begin to acknowledge that it could go beyond even the Jews. It could go beyond uh, the apostles. It could go beyond what had ever been able to go beyond before. Because when Jesus came, it was to show the Jews who he was. It wasn't about the Gentiles. It wasn't about the Samaritans. It wasn't about, you know, centurions. It was, uh, or uh, Caesarea. It was about the people who were Jews. Now, because of Jesus, it's open to everybody. Everybody say, thank God. Because this is not a Jewish congregation right here. You all know that, don't you? You might have some Jewish blood in you, but we are. And it says, at Antioch is the first place in chapter 11, uh, it goes on, it says, news of these things came to the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced and exhorted them all to remain with the Lord with a loyal heart. And it goes on down and says, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. That was the beginning of people in, in the Gentile world or anybody who believed to be called Christians. And uh, from there it goes on. Um, and they're, you know, this is, you know, James is killed and Peter's imprisoned and uh, lots of things happened in the book of Acts that um, were, you know, people really died for their faith. Um, I believe our death in the day we're living in, in America right now, not in other nations because there are Christians right now that are being persecuted and some even have been killed, many over in uh, Iraq and other places. But in this country right here, the greatest persecution we will face is people who are angry with us talking about Jesus or they don't like us or they think we're trying to be somebody special because we pray in the Holy Ghost. Listen, get past all of that because right beyond that is the anointing of God to deliver people and set people free and cause them to come to Christ. Amen? Okay, let's stand. Father, I thank you tonight for every person who's here. I thank you for the Holy Ghost. You said we've got the goods in Matthew 25. You said you have delivered to us the goods. And that's the Holy Spirit of God, I believe, for us. And according to the ability that we have, it goes on, Lord, and it says that that's, that's how we serve you. And, and all of us are at different levels of our walk with the Lord. Uh, surely none of us have arrived. But, but we all have to live in the faith that we have because if it's not a faith it's it's sin it says in first corinthians chapter 15 so in jesus name i thank you every person here will begin to search their heart and ask the lord lord what am i supposed to be doing what what am i supposed to be um saying 
who am I supposed to be saying it to? Lord, use me to be your voice to a world that needs Jesus more than, than probably in the United States we've ever needed Jesus. I thank you, Father, that we are your hands and your feet, and our mouth belongs to you. I pray for those that are not praying in the Holy Ghost, that they will open their heart to receive that and continue to believe God to pray in the Holy Spirit. But I also know that everyone who knows Jesus has the Holy Spirit living in them. And Holy Spirit, you do quicken them. You quicken their mortal bodies to things they need to know and things they need to do. If you're here tonight and you've never received Jesus, I think I know everybody, but... If you're here tonight and you've never said yes to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit, you know, he's, he's there speaking to you that you're needing Jesus, that, that Jesus has died for you, but we have to say yes. And so if that's you tonight, you said, I, I need to say yes to Jesus, or maybe you've walked away and, and now you need to come back. If that's you, I want to pray for you before we leave tonight. I know my husband already prayed in the beginning, but if you need prayer, for, for your life to be changed and you need Jesus in your heart I want to pray for you before we go anybody okay I see your hand come here I believe God sent you here tonight on purpose yeah hallelujah but you know Jesus yeah I can tell let's all pray you, you can turn around and look at me you don't have to look at, you can look at me <laughs> I'm glad you came. What's your name? Tashawn. Tashawn. Father, I thank you for Tashawn. We thank you, Lord, that she came tonight. I know, Lord, that um, Jesus is real to her. I don't know what all's happened, but let's all just say this together. You know, when when we've maybe gone a direction we shouldn't have, or we've gotten on a path, we're just gotten busy. Um, God knows exactly where you are tonight. Just like He knew about that lady down in Peru, He knew you would be here. And he just wants you to know that he loves you. And what he has planned for you has never changed, regardless of the situations. Let's all say this, Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you love me. And you died for me. Forgive my sins. Heal my heart. And help me to follow you. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I do pray right now, and I thank you, Father, that you've heard her prayer and that this is a new beginning tonight. I ask you to send people around her, laborers, who would be able to speak the word and, and uh, encourage her in her faith to come alongside her. I, I bind all voices that are not your voice that she hears in her heart and in her head in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for just filling her right now with the power of the Holy Spirit that she would begin to speak in tongues and pray in the Holy Ghost as the Spirit shows her and gives her utterance in Jesus' name. I bind fear from her life. I bind the attack of the devil that has tried to steal, kill, and destroy in her life. And I thank you, Father, that she is born again, strong in the Lord, in the power of his might, and that she goes with an anointing on her life to be all that he's called, that you've called her to be. And I bind the destruction of the devil against your life because he has attacked he has come he has come to steal your faith come to steal your heart in jesus name i thank you father for people who will love her and be with her look after her holy spirit 
In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father. I plead the blood over her in Jesus' name. And I say, no weapon formed against her shall prosper in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you brought her and that she is going to go from glory to glory from this day forward in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Amen. 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 Father, I thank you for every person here tonight. I thank you that the Holy Spirit is real and he knows about your life tonight. And I just want to say to all of you, no matter what's happening in your life, God does know about it. And, and he will speak to you. It's good to have other people who can come alongside. But you are never alone. And whatever it is that's holding you captive, in Jesus' name, I bind it. I loose you from the power of it, in Jesus' name. And I speak that the mercy and the grace of Almighty God is working in you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet and that you will prosper, be in good health, even as your soul prospers, because Jesus has said you belong to him, you are a child of Almighty God, and you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ, which means you lack nothing, absolutely nothing in your life, because the Spirit of God is in you, and you will overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of your testimony, and not loving your life even unto death, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Turn to somebody, give him a good word. God is good, and he loves all of you. <laughs>